Hi friend, you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, after having crawled through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you're listening today, we are listening to part two of a three-part conversation with apologist Casey Leander and with our co-host from February, Tori Carpenter. We're so glad you're here today, and I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. One thing that you mentioned, uh, Casey, you kind of touched on, and I just thought I'd circle back around to it. Um, you talked briefly about uh, God's trustworthiness and whether that might be an underlining issue. And Tori, so I wanted to ask you directly, do you do you feel that, Tori, that that might be one of the bigger issues for you? Um, I don't feel like, for me personally, I don't feel like God's untrustworthy. I feel like the Bible is. So I feel like, so one of the things I've struggled with is like, there are verses, if, if hell is real in the traditional sense, like the Bible says it, there are verses that make me think my dad's in hell. And then there are verses that make me think he's not. So I feel like I can't trust the Bible. I don't, I don't feel that way about God necessarily, but I feel that way about the Bible. And so I, I just think like, I don't know, it's just really confusing to me. And I think there's a lot of contradiction in scripture. Yeah, Tori, I wanted to actually, when I heard you talk about that on the podcast, I just wanted to um, uh, just say, I am so sorry for the ways that Christians spoke to you um, after your dad's passing. And uh, it sounds like some of the ways Christians even just didn't speak to you, just were absent from that. Um, um, And yeah, and I just want to say, like, we've been kind of in the technical side of things and like, you know, those questions matter. Um, but like your emotional, the weight, the emotional weight you give these questions is, is valid as well. And, um, uh, and like all of us, like you're going to have to find intellectual and existential peace Mm -hmm. with those questions. It can't just be one or the other. And, and actually I probably should have said this earlier, earlier too, to you, but one of, one of the things that I was concerned about was the amount of like quick intellectual answers people were trying to give you. Um, I would argue not truly thought through and, and maybe not even Christian answers around suffering um, uh, and around the doctrine of hell. But um, uh, yeah, I'm so, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. Like even hearing your story, like really grieved me. Um, uh, and I just want to say like, thank you even for sharing that stuff. So. Thanks for saying that. I, I, yeah, I mean, Christians, they say, like, really terrible and hurtful things. I don't think they probably didn't think through it. I think they maybe thought they were helping. But yeah. 
or trying to make me feel better, but like, it didn't work. It didn't help. Yeah. Um, One yeah. of the- so- Oh, I'm so sorry. You go, you go. Oh yeah. But I was just going to circle back around. Yeah. Like I don't feel like God has become really personal to me. And I, I, in this whole grieving process, I, I do feel like I have this personal, beautiful connection with God, the creator. Um, but yeah, like I just really struggle with scripture Yeah, because there's just a lot to me. There's like so much that contradicts itself. Yeah. I would too, honestly, I would be struggling too, if I had, um, gone through what you've gone through. Um, honestly, one of the things that I, that I was hoping we could get to is, um, maybe some of the bad theologies of, (laughs) of scripture that, that you've been given, because I, I I honestly like listening to that episode. I want to, I screamed out loud a few times, like, like that's not Christianity. (laughs) Uh, And, and actually, and you don't have to, you know, take this for what it's worth. Like, I'm not trying to make you have this viewpoint, but I honestly wish the people in your life who would, who dared to offer you something, um, whether for good motives or, or whatever, um, just a sense of awkwardness or needing to say something. I wish they would have spent more time with scripture, not less. Like you Mm -hmm. shared about people who had visions, um, where your dad was healed, um, and, uh, and unfortunately it's like, sometimes we get that wrong. Um, mm-hmm. which is why I think scripture is so massively important because, uh, scripture is like a bright line for us. Like I know my heart, I know my mind, I know I'm wrong about so many things. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm a very limited human being and my thoughts and my impressions Honestly, the older I get, the more I realize and, and appreciate the human capacity to go so far wrong. Um, How old are just, you, Casey? You're not that old. 27. Yeah, 27. <laughs> wow. So, I, so you can only imagine. It's like, yeah, we live in a world where we don't we don't know if we can trust what's on the news. You know what I mean? Like, um, let alone my own internal thoughts and processes. And so... Um, yeah, like when people just said, you know, God needed another angel in heaven or or like um, it all works out for good, like just flippantly like that. I actually wish they had wrestled with the serious weight scripture gives to that stuff. Like like the book of Job uh, absolutely is a refutation of the idea that good things always happen to good people. And if something bad happens to you, it's because God decreed it to punish you or uh, like like Job is a testament to the radical unfairness of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so anyway, I, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I wish that I wish that they had read more scripture and had done more engagement with deeper, better engagement with it rather than less. Yeah. They probably would tell you that they did, but right. Yeah. I think the stupidest thing that they, anyone ever said was that they, that my dad died because he didn't believe, right. Like he didn't have enough faith. And like, had he had more faith, like they would use ex- like specific examples in scripture and the gospels of like people who had faith. And like Jesus said, if you had faith besides a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move and it would. And so like, they would tell me that. And then they would say, you know, like you just, we don't, oh, I remember having a conversation with one person in my family and uh, she had made a comment like that. And I, I said, are you telling me, do you think my dad died? Cause he didn't believe, right? 
And she goes, well, no, I'm not saying that, but like, we just don't really know what he, what was going on in his mind. And I'm like, right. So you're telling me you think he died because you didn't believe, right? And then she was quoting scripture at me and uh, it really, it made me so angry. And I just wanted to scream at her. I actually think I may have. <laughs> and I just screamed at her and said like, no, he died because he had brain cancer. Like, yeah, it's really, there's nothing more to it. He got sick. There's a damaging belief right now. And it's particularly appealing to us, to be honest, as the most privileged group of human beings who have ever walked the planet as, as Western, you know, European descendants in America. And it's the prosperity gospel, Mm. Um, kind of an unholy blend of God's your sugar daddy. Who's going to give you what you want. If you just believe hard enough uh, and, and our insane capacity to believe that because we really do, we're drowning in luxury. All of us are in the 1%, you know, by global standards. Um, uh, but it's ridiculous. And you can't read scripture while holding to that. I mean, the first thing I think about is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is God's son, right? Praying with perfect devotion to the Father. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I mean, we can't say Jesus didn't have enough faith or God would have found another way. God said, no, Mm -hmm. like you and, and, and God's relationship to Jesus is different than his relationship to us. Right. Because I believe Jesus is a member of the Trinity. And so, uh, but, but even just right there in that nugget, it's like the, the amount of faith we muster does not always exempt us from stuff. Um, uh, I mean, read the read the book of Job. God is fiercely angry with Job's friends mm-hmm. for suggesting that Job actually did do something wrong. And that's why he suffered the way he did. God is angry with them. It, and in fact, I'm reading it right now. My anger burns against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than that, it's actually a lack of... We're, we're, we're not thinking about the big picture of scriptures because the big picture about of, of what scripture teaches us about death and about suffering is that they are the enemy that God is going to crush under his heel. First and foremost, death is not something God intended. Um, and so in the book of Genesis, right, the serpent deceives uh, Adam and Eve and God says, there's going to be an offspring of a woman who's going to crush your head under his heel. Um, and that's where we look to first and foremost. Um, and I think that we see the completion of that in Revelation. Um, and in the meantime, you know, I'll say that God, that I believe God can and does heal people, but he, he doesn't always um, because our end game is not that God makes our lives better and better in one continuous thing until we die. It's actually that we're holding on to a hope that goes deeper and better than, than this world that we can't always see. But all that to say, I want to combat that idea in the church um, because I think it leads to insensitive ideas that we put forward to people who are suffering. Like, like, well, if you had faith, like I have, like I, I'm angry about this partially Tori, because my mom uh, suffered a series of miscarriages um, in between me and my sister. And, and she was told the same thing. Um, like if you had had enough faith, maybe you could have kept your child. Um, and when I think about a mother who has lost a child like that, to say that um, to someone is not only offensive, it's just deeply unbiblical. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think so, but I, that definitely wasn't the message that I heard in the aftermath of it all. Yeah. Well, I, I know a story in scripture that's really encouraged me, and I don't know, Tori, if I've shared this, <laughs> I can never remember from one day to the next, but um, it's John the Baptist, you know, and here's this guy living this life of, you know, <laughs> telling the world about Jesus, and then he ends up in, did I already talk about this? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not with you. Um, but he ends up in prison while he's doing the thing that he was like designed to do. And so he sends his disciples, and I've never heard a sermon about this in person. I think that this should be preached all the time. He sends his disciples to Jesus, and they ask him, like, basically, John wants to know, are you the one that we were to expect, or should we expect somebody else? I mean, here he spent his entire life preparing the way, his entire life dedicated to him, and he has this enormous doubt. And then Jesus sends the disciples back and then he gives this great like talk to the whole crowd about how wonderful John is. And he says, there's no one like John. It's one, you know, he's great. Da, 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 da. Well, what happens to John? He gets beheaded while Jesus is still on the earth. That sucks, right? For John, that's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like I've thought about this so many times. Like how would that feel in the moment if you don't have, you know, that perspective of, wow, God brings restoration and like he gets to decide. Um, and it's not, you know, about what we do. Like John's time on earth was done and it had nothing to do with whether he had enough faith, mm -hmm. you know, he, he doubted and he had questions. And um, anyway, so that's encouraged me a lot. Like, you know, bad things happen to everybody. You know, we live in a fallen world and, um, I do agree with Casey, like the prosperity gospel is, it's honestly, I think it's demonic because uh, there's so many people who, when life gets bad, think that if only I did this, it could be good enough. And it becomes this latter theology, which, um, you know, that was never, never meant to be the case. It was always meant to be a surrender. Yeah. It puts the weight, it puts the weight of suffering on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that. And then it like all that does is bring shame. Yeah. Because I was thinking like, well, if I had had enough faith, maybe like even just me, maybe my, if I had prayed harder, if I had done more then maybe, maybe that grace would have been extended to my dad. Mm -hmm. And like, I like, it just made me feel, it just shames you. It's so wrong. It, it, gosh, it is wrong. Yeah. I think about too, when Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus and, um, uh, he just, it's the shortest verse in scripture. It just says, Jesus wept. And like when God encounters our suffering, um, he doesn't rush first to like, well, you're going to learn this, you know, like, oh, <laughs> it'll make you a better person. Like, like, look what I did. That couldn't have happened. Like, do I believe he, he did that and does that even in the case of Lazarus? Yes. But like, he is not, in a hurry to rush us there. In fact, he looks around and he sees this, this grief of these people, Mary and Martha and their brother who he's friends with. And he just, um, he just weeps. He just stops and he just, he just is sad and he weeps with us. And, um, and like, thank God the story doesn't end there because like we're saying, he crushes the head of, of the enemy of the serpent under his heel. Um, but but grief is a part of that too. And it, it bugs me how, how many Christians like, I mean, some Christians really do get that, 
And I think when we're living into the best theology we have, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but many of us don't. And so, um, yeah, so it's a challenge. Yeah. I'd love to talk real quick. Just say one thing, because I know you mentioned you're not sure um, uh, where your dad um ended up in terms of heaven or hell. And I know this might be a, a huge can of worms. Like there's so many different questions around that. Like, um, but I just want to say like, um, we are told very specific things about salvation. Like, like, um, when the apostles in Acts, they say, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Um, so we're told sort of what we can do to go towards salvation, but, we're also told that there's a mystery to it that only God is fully aware of. Um, and we're told that God is infinitely kinder than we ever think we're going to be. Like, there's that verse where Peter's like, how many times should we forgive someone who sins against us? And like, is seven times enough? You know, and Jesus goes, 70 times 70. Um is how many times you need to forgive someone. And I've always taken that as like, okay, that's another thing on me, like a burden on me that I have to go out and make sure I'm just forgiving people that much. But actually I think what Jesus is getting at is the opposite is that God starts by forgiving us that many times. And so, um, uh, like his grace is bigger and better than we think it is. Um, uh, so when we talk about hell, I think, yeah, anyway, that's, that's a big can of worms, but um, yeah, we can get into that. I, I just, I think that God is more gracious always than we think he's going to be. I, I think I'm with um, Francis Chan when, when he says that if you're excited to talk about hell, then you're out of your mind. Hmm. Um, uh, because whatever it is, it's bad. Um, and so I just start there and just say, the biggest revelation about hell to me is that um, it reminds me that life is deadly serious, that good and evil exist and they matter and that God takes goodness and innocence and laughter and joy seriously enough um, uh, to protect those things. And so, um, so that informs me first when I start thinking about the doctrine of hell and it stems from the idea of like, what are we doing on this planet in the first place? Like, why is the world fallen? And I would argue that God gave human beings moral agency. You've probably, you're probably familiar with some of this um, line of thought, but that God gave us moral agency in the world. He gave us the, ch the chance to say, okay, God, we're with you or we're against you. And essentially we said, we're against you. Um, and God did that by the way, knowing that he would put a plan of redemption into place so that we wouldn't ultimately be held accountable for what our sins deserve. Right. Um, uh, but there's a fundamental aspect to good and evil that I don't think we understand fully. Like, like we think good is like a social construct that we put on certain behavior that we like, but really it's, it's just kind of an arbitrary thing that we're, it's like a sticker that we're slapping on behavior. Like that's good. And if there's something we don't like, like, don't be mean, don't tell lies. We slap a bad sticker on that. Um, but mm -hmm. actually, I think good and evil are the primary, um, like, substance, to speak poetically, of, of reality. And it's not as simple as saying, like, okay, we're labeling things good and evil. I think, rather, we're rightly identifying 
like the bedrock truth of the universe. So, so if my parent tells me as a child, Hey, um, eat cereal, not rat poison. And I say, forget you. I'm going to eat the rat poison, you know, and I pour a big bowl of rat poison (laughs) and I have a a tummy ache later, you know, like my body's freaking out. Like I eat rat poison. Um, there's a sense in which that that's just the natural, uh, physical reaction to doing something bad. And I think evil is, is the same. Like, um, when Larry Nasser's victims, uh, do you guys are familiar with Larry Nasser? He was mm-hmm. the U S former U S gymnast. And, um, Oh yeah. That's what my thesis is on. Actually. No way. No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rachel Den Hollander is, um, amazing in what, in what she's done. She was one of his victims who came out and, um, wrote a book called what's a girl worth. And, um, it's so powerful when she talks about, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've like yeah. this, right? Like, just talking about what he did to these young women. Okay. We didn't, we didn't slap a sticker on that and say, we just decided that's bad. Actually there's physiological, psychological, emotional, spiritual consequences of what he did. Mm-hmm. And, and through no fault of their own, these women had to endure a lifetime of shame for one man's actions, like sexual sin, sexual abuse like that has serious consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's sobering. It's sobering for me. It's sobering for all of us. It should be because, because we all, I mean, I'm not saying we're all Larry Nasser, you know, thank God, just um, not all sins have equal, equal immediate consequences, but all sin is rat poison in our lives. And so the question then of hell is how is a God who truly loves goodness supposed to deal with creatures who consistently choose to spit in his face? Um, Against all reason and against all evidence. Um, uh, because I do, I believe scripture when they say God's not willing that any should perish, but that, that all should come to knowledge of truth. And so one way or another, I believe that God gives humanity the option to opt in. Right. Um, like, like we, we're accountable for the moral decisions we make. And yet the nature of sin, we know this from, I'm a student of history. I, I was a history major. I studied history. It's depressing because you see how bad people can can get and and how good we are at justifying bad things. So there comes a point with sin where you say, I know this is bad. I know it has consequences. All the wool has been taken away from my eyes, but I want what I want and I'm going to choose it anyway. Hmm. And we like kill our conscience. How is God to respond to creatures that will eventually do that? Um, I think he has one of two options. Um, uh, he can let the injustice go and he can say, um, whatever eternity, whatever heaven looks like, I'm going to make it so that bad people are able to continue to do bad things in heaven. But in that case, heaven's no longer heaven. Or he can say, I can let you follow the just trajectory of what you're doing and create a place where that sin can no longer harm anyone. And that's what I would argue hell is. Um, and so then we can get into the nuts and bolts of what scripture describes hell as being. Um, I think when we talk about eternal conscious torment, um, I think it's important that even if that's our view, what we're not saying is eternal conscious torture. There's a significant difference there, actually, um, because sin involves torment. Destroying the right workings of the universe involves torment. It involves suffering necessarily that 
that I will have brought on myself and others, right? Um, but it does not necessarily imply torture. I don't think God is actively causing people pain in hell. I think it's rather just the separation from the source of everything good that causes that torment. Um, uh, and that doesn't sugarcoat it either. You know what I mean? Like eternal conscience are still two very strong words that, that, um, that we have to deal with. Um, uh, but I do think that's an important distinction. Um, well, that's an interesting, that is an interesting point. I like that. I like how you said that it's not torture. God's not sitting there torturing people. Because uh, I do think that would go against his character and nature. Um, yeah, I, I like that perspective. But I, I don't want to sugarcoat it either, Tori. And um, because the truth is God actually loves us enough to let us know about the reality of hell. Um, uh, he doesn't sugarcoat what it is either. Because whatever it is, it's bad. Um, but it, it's actually in those warnings. Like it would be incredibly unloving of him to know that this is coming, but not tell us about it. And in a sense, I would almost say it's not God's fault that he can't be around evil, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. if he's truly good, he hates evil. Um, uh, but I also think he intends justice. So then, so then here's a question. Is, yeah. is, hell, um, is hell a created place? Or is it just... Like, did God create it? Okay, we're going to pause right there. This is the end of part two of a three-part conversation. Come back tomorrow for the final installment of the Finding Something Real podcast, season four, episode three, with Casey Lander and our co-host, Tori Carpenter. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories, and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.